Hey guys, Ian here with another episode of Unleashed and Unhinged, the podcast where we talk about all things dog. Dog training, dog behaviour, dog health, literally anything you can think about when it comes to dogs, we'll talk about on here. We hope you enjoy the episode. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning back in again. This week we've got Findy Wills from Let's Talk Paws. Welcome, Findy. Thanks for Hello. being here. Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks, mate. How are you? Good. 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 <laughs> good. Why don't we uh, start off with just a little intro um, about you know who you are and what you do? Yeah. Well, I'm Findy, um, and I'm a vet. And I'm also a clinical animal behaviourist. I've done my master's with University of Edinburgh. Um, not sure what to call myself right now, Finn. but yeah, that's probably a good, a good way <laughs> to <Yeah>. do it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's like some serious qualifications under your belt there, though. Oh, thanks. I don't think. Well, it is. I should just take it. It is. It is. I quite like what I do. And it's both degrees are very helpful for what I like to do. And what do you like to do? Well, my focus is a little bit, I suppose, it's no real comparison because we're vets and stuff, but I like the clinical psychology side of things. I really like to look into um, emotional regulation and relationships. That's my areas of interest. I think that's not not just I think that is what we've got in common. That's that's like a super. I think that's how we met. Yeah. <laughs> the two lines. I like emotional regulation. And Ian uh, goes, oh, chat with me. Yeah. Pretty, <laughs> pretty much word for word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's so cool because it's there for me, like the two main things that I work with as well. And it, they're the really important things. They're the things that Very seem to important. be, I think relationships is common knowledge as in like mm. it's important to have a healthy relationship, but I feel like the version of what a healthy relationship looks like between a person and their dog has been a bit skewed over the years. Definitely. Um, but the emotional regulation side uh, is something that probably a little bit more nuanced and a bit more new, um, mm-hmm. even to our industry, let alone to our listeners. Yes. So I think why I really like this area, emotional regulation, is mainly because it sets the foundation So if you are an operant trainer, I know there's like more than that at times, but you know, if you're at the very basics, I want to teach my dog how to sit, stay on a mat, listen to me, et cetera. Usually that's kind of the main ingredient you need before you go into telling a dog what to do or trying to catch its behaviors and do things. You need the dog to be regulated. So that's the main thing. And also actually relationships. In terms of relationships, I think that's also a main source for a healthy relationship. So um, it's actually quite good nowadays. Like a lot of the human kind of parenting coaching side of things, they always talk about co-regulation and it's it's quite similar, I think, the direction we should be going with humans and dogs. There's a huge overlap there uh, Mm. between the two fields. And I think as well, like for years, uh, especially when I first started being told, you know, don't compare, don't compare people and dogs. Just mm. you can't compare them. It's not the same. Don't anthropomorphize your dog. And whereas these days, I'm, I'm, I like, I'll 
anthropomorphic. I don't think that's the right word. Like you, we're trying to use the same principles yeah. because the founding relationship between a human and a dog is very similar to a human and a child. Uh-huh. Um, so the level of dependency you ask from a dog is as much as you would when you have a kid. Like yeah. you, you tell them when to toilet, <laughs> like where to toilet, <laughs> when to eat, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> what to eat, um, like how to behave in front of people. Like all those expectations are actually quite similar, I think, from like a human parent-child relationship. So I suppose then I wouldn't say it's anthropomorphized because there's a difference. Like you mm-hmm. then respect that it, the only difference there is is this is a dog. So it has its own likes and dislikes how it processes information, gathers information. They're all a bit different from a human. So it, it's the same, same, but different. Yeah. yeah. Even as, even as um, the comparison of like, you know, ra- raising a child and raising a dog, Yeah, one of the key goals is, in my opinion, like to raise an emotionally stable dog and or right. individual, like whatever yeah. species. <laughs> and I think the other thing I've learned the other day, well, not learned, copying from someone else's quote for sure, is... Um, like a kid, like you are not the engineer of a kid. Mm. You don't, you're not trying to engineer this perfect dog. You're trying to shepherd something. You're trying to find out what this creature being is and then how to support it to grow to what it wants to be. So I think that's quite a nice little. It is. It's really nice. Yeah. Because they're going to, we always talk about like how they should have freedom to be able to express yeah. who they are. Yeah. Um, it doesn't go, you know, it, it, there are societal expectations that we kind of, go, like, our role is to kind of make sure that, you know, it's a broad expectation we should have. Yes. But how about we don't go and absolutely bonkers and, yes. you know, sociopathic behaviour or anything like that. Like, <laughs> yes. Um, Let's not go that deep. <laughs> Let's come, come back up. Let's be like. <laughs> but, yeah, like, you know, it is like you are meant to be shepherding it in yes. a general kind of direction but without micromanaging. Correct. And I think the other thing that I've also learned in the recent years is – I've read a few clinical psychologists, kind of their little nonfiction books, and I find the most important thing is relationships is a very important part of the environment. So if you think about when you're a trainer and you go, you know, the three things, environmental management, behavior modification, plus or minus meds, et cetera, if you have a veterinary support with you, um, the environment bit is actually your relationship is a very big component in that environment. So if you have a good handle or a great relationship and you co-regulate, that's probably most of the time what you need. Yeah. 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 I'm going to ask, I think I know I've got my own thoughts around this. Yes. I, I would love your, I'd love to get your insight on like how you would, your take on it, I guess. Like the individual's perception of safety mm. and like, how those two things come in. So like the relationship and the um, emotional regulation. Like yes. For me, like safe, feeling safe would be a fundamental part of both of them and everything that underpins both of them. Yeah. So I, again, I think I've learned a lot from a lot of the other professionals that are kind of in this category, but Andrew Hale is one of my favorite, I'm sure. I mean, he's been on your podcast already. Yeah. I'm sure you talk to him quite a bit. Um, <laughs> but what I love in one of his um, 
uh, webinars that he gave recently um, was it, the relationship with the dog, all a dog is asking for most of the time to have a secure relationship with you is to feel heard and to feel safe. So they're often the founding kind of principles and theories or kind of goals that I get my clients to work towards first. So they often say, oh, my dog like barks and wonders at people when they come to the house. I always just draw them back to how does your dog like to feel heard? Like does it communicate or doesn't at all? Then we've got another issue. Um, Does it have a safe space? Like does it know that it has a choice that it doesn't have to say alone? So we kind of just work through those categories. Um, which then it kind of then would tie into if I know how much a dog can take in and how much a dog needs to rest and decompress Mm. just to drain things out. If you have those components, then it's much easier to help them emotionally regulate. And once you regulate, your behaviours are appropriate. That's a beautiful thing. So if you have all those ingredients, match them up together, most of the time you don't have to be a professional trainer. Like you can be a normal client person. You have all those principles in your head. You just now need a trainer to kind of translate those dog behaviors for you so you understand how to do it. Yeah. You know, for for anybody that's listening at home, I think like, well, you know, without skirting around it, typically like unwanted behaviors, like undesirable behaviors, the ones that we would get phone calls for, right? Mm. They're normally a symptom of emotional dysregulation. Yes, correct. Yeah. You know, just just to put that really clearly for anybody that's listening in. Yes. Because we've gone in with a quite a technical su- subject. And, yes. And I think that's where the information is starting to catch up for people because mm. a lot of people probably mislabeled those unwanted behaviours previously as like, you know, bad or, or dominant and all of these. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. Or naughty. Like just naughty, as a yeah. level. Yeah. Really naughty. This is to me disobedient than bad dog. Yeah, I'm a pretty slippery slope. It goes real down real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Then it also goes into, I'm the worst mum in the world. (laughs) I must be pretty crap at my training. That's why my dog doesn't listen to me. All of the the guilt that comes with that. Correct. And then all of the behaviours that come with guilt of putting it to one side and not actually dealing with it. Or frustration. I I quite find that when humans get frustrated, and usually that's when they call, is um, their interventions often have also damaged that relationship. But then you've just damaged the source of that foundation that we need to actually have good behaviours. So that's part of the thing we try and address too is you find out, you know, it is a relationship, as you said, like human needs, dog needs, how do we mush them together so then the human's not you, frustrated. You used a second, uh, not a second ago, you used the term mm. at the start, um, mm. co-regulation. Yes. And if that's out of sync... Uh, then yes. that's when we're or we're gonna have we're gonna, they're gonna be at odds with one another. That's right. And that's where yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna. That's be why. That's why I love it. As like a, if I was going to help anyone that has a dog behavior, even the cat one, it's a quite similar. I know we don't really talk about cats within this forum, but it's actually quite interesting because this is exactly what we're trying to do: is find out what's frustrating the human. If we can understand what they're frustrated and what they're trying to see, and then we tell them what the dog actually is wanting, then you all of a sudden, they're both helping each other. Mm -hmm. And they both can regulate. And then you have a nice relationship to what you're 
expecting. They're not broken anymore. And you also have good behaviors. So kind of all draws in together. Sounds very amorphous when I first looked into it. I'm like, I don't know how to explain it to people. <laughs> but that's, I think, how it ties in since I've started doing a lot of the behavior concepts and things like that. Yeah. And that, I, that's, yeah, me and you definitely work in a really similar way. There's like, mm. as, a, as somebody that for a long time identified professionally as a dog trainer, right? Mm. I, I just flat out don't anymore. But mm-hmm. as somebody that did for a long time, I yeah. was. I had a lot of self-doubt because I was getting hung up because I wasn't training dogs enough. Yes, because you're dealing with this amorphous stuff yeah. first. Yeah, and, it, yes. and, I, and I couldn't ever, and still to this day, just won't move past it. You know, you mm. said earlier, like all the stuff that we try to get dogs to do, so sit and stay and come and whatever that might be, mm. it's come secondary to emotionally stable behavior and, mm. and and feeling emotionally stable in, in the first place yes it's uh and typically i find with my clients a lot of them we get to that state of an emotionally stable dog yeah and we we never even actually get to the sit the stay the come because people don't really care they didn't want robo dog they just wanted to yeah something that wasn't yeah a- i think that's what's just been kind of um they have associated with if you have a behavior problem we must train this dog to not have this problem but what they're actually asking for is like when he does this i don't feel safe mm. and i can't do my things and then you go actually because he doesn't feel safe either so why don't we make you both feel safe and then you can do your own thing together whatever it might be it's a really nice um, way is looking at it isn't it yeah yeah it's just it's just i think it's tidy <laughs> it might not be for other people because it's, it's you know tiny. everyone has their field but i when i do it i just that's whenever i talk to a client they're the main things that i go through and i go through what do you want is that all you want does he have to be in it no i don't think he wants to be in it done yeah sorted oh yeah <laughs> I, I actually used this sentence yesterday with my clients i said the less training i'm gonna get the less training we can do the better yeah. And of course it has its value. Like, you yeah, know, of course. we have training games and I do a lot of like pattern games and, you know, therapeutic games and things like they have their value. But the first kind of few sessions that we go through, most of it is just talking through what is happening and what's their relationship like. And then once it goes on, then the rest comes very easy. They can yeah. all feel like they can do certain games and things like that. Well, that's the other side of the relationship, isn't it? That well, a big part of the relationship aspect is being able to communicate with one another. And it normally yeah. starts with somebody like the human element. We step in and we're teaching them normally like how to read a situation, mm. how to read their dogs, and really how to communicate through a, more of a listening lens. Yes. Um, before we start to teach them how to communicate what they want the dog to do. Yes. It is kind of, in my opinion, and on us as the caregivers or the guardians as well as mm. you use it to kind of take that responsibility to, yeah, okay, I, I, even if you, I appreciate like that, you're not in a situation that you wanted to be in. Mm. Nobody's ever, you know, you're not making a phone call for our help if you're winning. Yes, um, yes, <laughs> that's right. Like you, if you're fine, you don't need help. <laughs> like it must be something's really not fine. Yeah. Um, but even that, you know, but that's where that, empathy that that looking at the dog through an empathetic lens is so important because at that point yeah i appreciate that you are frustrated with the situation but you 
at this point have to take on the dog's perception uh, yes. as well. Yeah. And I think the funny thing or the most interesting I find why I love working with dogs is in order to listen to them, you have to observe. Like you have to look instead of listen. Like to look to listen, you have to look. Yeah. So you have to kind of combine the two things together. Um, and that's why I find uh, observing dogs just so fascinating. I could watch them all day <laughs> and just imagine little conversations in my head. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, probably no one ever really does that. That's just my <laughs> personal. I, full on <laughs> I can't help it. Like, and they've got, each one's got their own little voice. Like, then yeah. Jen goes like, doot, doot, and I was just like, <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Oh, actually, that was fine. No, wait, no. Yeah. Just like little thought bubbles, but I go, oh, that's what he's saying. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I, um, whether it's appropriate or not, but, you know, chihuahuas always have Mexican accents in my head. Yeah. As I'm looking, <laughs> that's like, I'll leave it for when we chat <laughs> on our own personally. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't become offensive for life. <laughs> no, no, but the, you, no, you're right, though. Like when I'm watching them, they've always got their own little, um, you know, they've always having their own dialogue. Yeah. And, it, and it's nonverbal. And that's why it's hard. I think you can't just say, I need to train my dog because every dog is so different, mm. like how they perceive the world. And they really have their own personalities. Like some dogs will dislike some things, but others will be like totally fun. Um, so it's quite important just to keep it quite open and just stay curious. I know they have like, you know, clients have an issue, but I think the main job I always have is just to get them to a level at least they're curious about their dog and want to know about their dog. Um, I think once they have that, then generally it's a lot easier because once people see, it's like, oh, actually, he does ask questions. I've just missed it because I don't know how to read dog, which is fine because if you're not a professional, you won't be reading dogs. You just no. go, oh, this is a great dog. <laughs> um, he's really happy. He's looking. His tail's up. He's like, ah, don't oh. trust for the tail up ever. <laughs> Um, it's true though yeah it's true I mean I didn't know until I knew but I think that's one of the most rewarding things is like once they do see it and they go oh I can have a conversation with my dog before we escalate to that point then that's also part of regulating with each other right like you have a conversation well that's what they're communication communicating and that you know that building that relationship like trust and safety involves listening to them and mm. Picking up on those early cues, like mm. the so the so through watching their behavior, you pick up on the subtle cues that mm. are the precursors to them shouting. Yes. Um, I heard a really, it was, um, I was listening to a podcast earlier. I was listening to Shiro Patel. And it oh, was, I love him too. He likes yeah. conversations with dogs too. He does. And yeah. he came up with a really cool sentence. Yeah, um, and I'm completely ruining a future podcast episode for myself right now. So I, I actually wrote this down as a full topic, and I might still do it. But hey, I, <laughs> okay, um, do a taster. It was, yeah, it was really simple. It's like he said, if you listen to them whisper, you won't hear them shout. It's true. I mean, that's really true. Um, and I think unless you put in the sort of that commitment to observe them to see what they're actually trying to say and what they what their preferences are when they're scared so some dogs are like oh well I kind of just want you to be in front of me and that's all I want other dogs are like can we just go like 20 meters over there yeah fine and they'll each dog will tell you and you can see it from other contexts when it's not as severe if they feel a little bit worried 
what's their preference to do. Um, and I often go, it's quite nice in terms of, that's why I love my job sometimes, but it's not too stressful. <laughs> when clients give me different contexts and they go, oh, you know, that's, that's all the dog wants to do. He always just wants to go behind you. Well, why don't we do that when we go for a walk? It's mm. just, if you have that connection of he's looking at you and you know that he's worried because you know, because you're worried as well, then you just get him to come behind you. I stay with him for a bit and then we move on. Um, and other dogs might not want to do that. Other dogs are just like, yeah, it's the game pool. Oh, let's go. Can we just, let's go. And then you can just run forward. But I can't tell you until you've seen your dog prefer these strategies in yeah. other contexts. Otherwise it doesn't work for every dog. Like some dog, if you run past, they get worse. So it just really depends. So that's why I like kind of having that conversation with the owner, getting them to kind of observe the dog, listen to the dog, find out what their dog actually likes and prefers to do. And then just matches up again, quite tidily <laughs> in terms of our behavior plan afterwards. Yeah. Well, we have to use it. Like, again, just to just kind of simplify and summarize a little bit. So mm. their behavior is them expressing how they feel. Mm. And it's an emotional reaction to whatever's going on. Well, no mm. matter how proportionate. Mm. And but they're also communicating what their preferences are in that mm. particular moment. So we can listen to that and we can use it to mm. our advantage. You know, if, yeah. it's, if, their, if their emotional response is to you know, withdraw, yeah. well, we can afford them space. How yeah. much space depends on the yeah. individual and the situation. Mm. If their emotional re re reaction is to explode, mm. well, then we have put the, way too much pressure yeah. on. Yeah, we need some boundaries. This is when we go, oh, as a parent, well, let's not put you at this situation. Yeah. <laughs> Until you're ready. Right? Yeah. 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 Like that whole kind of prepare and train for the situation, not necessarily in the situation. Mm. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I think that's the hardest for people to understand because, I mean, it's day to day. They encounter it. So they feel very out of control, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's quite often you've got to like – Woody, I think it's Woody. You go backwards to go forwards. Go backwards yeah. a little bit. Oh, the rugby. Forwards. Yeah. Rugby. Yeah. One of those. Yeah. You've got to go backwards to depends go forwards. Depends where you are. Some people, it depends where you are. In New South Wales, they'll call that footy. So, <laughs> yeah. I was right. Yeah. I was trying to be sorting, but, you know, that's not an analogy <laughs> that mean, I like to use. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's true, though, isn't it? Like, mm. um, and, like, even you know, staying on the sporting kind of analogies, mm. you know, if you don't train for game day, and haven't practiced, you're going to be pretty shit. Gotta do day. your warm-ups. It's funny. One of my clients said, I did my warm-ups. I was like, oh, she's on the right track. Yes. <laughs> she understands. Well, that's <laughs> massive. The process. <laughs> because she didn't just do them. She understood why she yeah. was doing them. Yeah, then, why she needed them. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it is cool when they start saying things like that. One of the things that I want to you know again just bring up is like that element of the relationship um, mm. because i mean for, and it's a, it's a simple thing but it's also a cool thing to just highlight like what are the key ways that you've found over the years to just build a healthy relationship well <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a big one but um how to build a healthy the main thing is to understand dogs as a species yeah um, and what, how, well, how they gather information and also how they, so you need to understand their needs, right? So relationship is you fulfilling each other's needs from my perspective, 
what a human needs from a dog, not only is companionship in that like attachment, as if you have a little kid, you can share feelings wherever you want and they don't judge you. Um, they're just nice to be around. You never really have to worry about them. Um, that companionship is what I would assume. And maybe everyone's a little bit different, but more or less, um, there's an attachment need for the dog. They, again, it's almost like they are, they are a juvenile of the species when you first have them. So I would say I always see them the same needs as what children would need. Um, so in terms of emotional needs, if we get really technical, um, from my degree, we do clinical animal behavior. We have seven emotional needs that a dog would have. And it's, um, it's, uh, we follow Pangsep's model. He's a neuroscientist. Everyone can look him. He has a TED talk and it made me cry. But anyway, that's his system. Like he worked with mammalian brain um, and he um, found all the neuro circuits with each emotion. Um, and they're what I would use when I go, oh, this dog's doing this. What's his emotional motivation? Which need is missing or overwhelmed or et cetera? Um, so it's understanding those needs um, and then just seeing as an individual basis between you two how you can meet those needs. And if you can do that and you're not compromising your own, then that's pretty healthy. Yeah. I don't know. Is that too deep? No, it's a really cool answer. Okay. That's, that's, why, that's why I asked you that because, yeah. I mean, I've obviously put you on the spot there. And I'm not sorry. Um, My degrees have worked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They were useful. <laughs> <laughs> Most, very much so. Um, yeah. But no, you've definitely just like, it's really cool because mm. you, I, I would say that I can completely align. It's just really cool listening to um, a different way of saying the same and you know, a similar point. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, and going back to emotional regulation. Yes. What are some like do's and don'ts? Do's and don'ts uh, around emotional regulation. So we're all trying to raise emotionally stable dogs mm. and it's not, no, nothing's ever going to be perfect. Nobody's ever going to get it hundred percent right. No, definitely. Everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. And that's and completely fine. There's that meme as well. It's like me, me trying to uh, you know, help my child stay calm. Also me. Country trying case. to say calm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, uh, my one with my nine year I open the fridge and I yell a bit in the fridge and then I close the fridge. <laughs> so I'm first really, hole in the tree. It's <laughs> <laughs> really emotionally abused cheese in there. Like, oh. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So uh, I think to answer that question, I won't go too deep into it, but I think I just have to. Um, go through a little bit how we regulate our emotions. Hmm. Yep. Then we know the do's and don'ts. So we use um, the Dr. Sarah Heath's SYNC model is what we use in veterinary behaviour to describe emotional regulation. So if you imagine a sink, so how big the sink is is your capacity to hold all your emotions. If your sink is flooding, then we call it dysregulation. Um, if your sink is empty, and flowing, like it's not empty, but like, you know, the ins and outs are kind of balanced, then you have emotional regulation. So if you picture that, the whole aim is always to keep the sink as empty as possible. Then you can think about what you can influence 
So with the sink, there's taps and they're all your emotions. You've got hot and cold tap. There's some emotions run fast. So usually they're the, I can't, they're not bad emotions. They're for survival. They're there for a reason, but they go in the sink pretty quick. It's hot. And then you've got the cold ones, which is, um, they're quite nice, but you also can't say, you know, there's nice and not nice <laughs> emotions. Mm. Um, but they're more your engaging emotions like play, looking for information, finding interactions, those sorts of things. Um, I, so I've, I've, I've heard that be described as positive and negative stress before. Well, you can, it's on a, it's like, that's theoretical, but yes. the positive and negative is not good and bad. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, right. It's it's not good and bad. It's actually on a scale. It's called balance. That goes too deep. But that, cool. That goes too deep. But just, just <laughs> technically, there's no good and bad. They're all yeah. there for a reason. But the taps are on. <laughs> taps are on. <laughs> One runs faster. Yeah. So then, if you interpret it in pairing terms, you go, "That's awful." I don't. I never ever want that. Mm. Um, the other one probably doesn't. Cold tap doesn't run quite as quickly. Um, but then again, just like human kids, dogs. Of different variety. Sometimes we read them that way, but you can have hot and cold taps and you assume the cold tap doesn't run as fast. They still run pretty fast for some dogs. Yeah. So you get really happy too much dogs. Like the intentions are good, but the behavior that comes out is like too much. Yeah. They'd still get overflow. Correct. Because it just runs too fast. Yeah. Like way too fast. Um, you can, I don't want to stereotype, but you can, if you want to imagine um, a Labrador that's like, or pug, we've had a few pugs, way too happy. People just assume that they're happy. Like, they're happy, but they're also really struggling because they can't even put a thought in. There's no capacity because it's too much that yeah. comes in. Um, or if you need a human analogy, it'll be, I usually say um, everyone's happy when they go to Disneyland, but by 12, like, someone has a meltdown and they someone, sound yeah. like they have a healthy time and then the parents go, why are you grateful, ungrateful? That mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's your taps. And then the other bit of the sink would be your drainage, so your plumbing. So plumbing is to do exactly with your sleep and um, activities. Like for us, decompression activities in human terms would be, I don't know, everyone's different, but mine would be in a bath reading a magazine with mm-hmm. some music on. That's really nice for me. Um, and uh, dogs, I often say they're scavengers. So really their activities are associated with that. So a lot of it would be chewing, licking um, and sniffing, looking uh-huh. for stuff and then chewing it and then feeling really great right after. So um, those are the components that would affect emotional regulation in dogs if you're going species to speak. So the do's and don'ts is the tap ones. You don't want to like just turn the taps on all the time. Like have some times in your day where you turn it off a little bit. Yeah. 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 So, so don't, run, run, don't run the taps. Yeah. It's those like, oh, I think my dog is too much, too much energy. Let's go walk for like two hours so we can burn it out. Mm. So you're actually just turning the taps like too much. That's too much. It's already too much. And now you're adding more. So in, uh, I suppose, behaviors terms we like to go not that you never do nice activities but we like short duration low intensity as much as you can if it's high intensity that's fine but as long as you control the duration um and if everything's fine then you can increase the frequency instead you can have like two five minute walks that's fine if you like oh you're taking a lot but it's only short periods and you know how to recover with some drainage systems then I think those are the main 
dudes is always think about how much you put in the sink and how much are you going to empty out. Yeah. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you turn the tap on, then yeah. it's good to be aware of how fast that water is running. So how much yeah. did you fill the, the basin? Yeah. Then how much drainage do you need? So how much sleep and yeah. rest and recovery does yeah. the dog need before you turn the tap on again? That's right. And sometimes you'll go, if they've got a hot tap, I just want to turn it to cold, but it doesn't actually, you've got to turn it off first. Yeah. And then you do the fun stuff. Yeah. So people always want to change bad to good. That's why we shouldn't say there's like bad or good emotions because it just kind of then skews it a little bit. Um, but always you're just trying to think about how can I keep my dog sink as level as possible. And that's why there's quite a lot. It's quite complex in terms of it also tells you, you know, how much is in its sink the day before. If your dog really doesn't have capacity, it's probably got a massive buildup like three months ago and yeah. now it's just never emptied out. So you have less capacity. Um, so that's why I quite like um, the Serahis model because it's quite easy for people to understand once they visualise what they can or cannot control and what they're trying to achieve. Um, and then from then on, you just insert how dogs would look like or what you would observe when they dysregulate or about to. So then you go, oh, about to, we got to do something about it. We're just going to flag it. You don't have to do anything excessive, but just think about all the elements you can control. Um, yeah. Is yeah. good answer? Yeah, it's a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, it's all well and good trying to fill the cup, but don't aim for overflow. Yeah, don't aim for overflow. <laughs> like it, usually I go, especially, um, I mean, it's, it's probably you guys experience a lot, um, rescue dogs when we, I just don't, don't do too much because, mm. again, they've already got some pretty bad experiences and associations in life. So their cup's pretty full to start off with and then they're coming to a new home, which they don't know is a good home. That's the information that they're trying to gather. Is, yeah. is this, like, secure and stable? And if you overwhelm them, then it automatically they dysregulate a lot. Yeah, and I think just going back to one of the points that you made in there, you know, the point around trying to bring good in, mm. like lots of good mm. when the dog is really highly strung can still create overflow, that emotional dysregulation. Like the, Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, that, you know, you mentioned Labradors and Pugs. Um, <laughs> we'll see it a lot with uh, breeds that or dogs that are prone to compulsive disorders, mm. so like ball play, like really mm. intense ball play. Mm. People can get hung up on it because they're like, I really want my dog to play fetch because and they like it. They often say they like it so much, and it's like it's like they can't control it. They yeah. can't. It's like playing a video game that they can't come off it. Yeah, yeah. Like they love it. It's not so much that your dog likes it anymore. It's the fact that it's now compulsion. It's hijacked. It's yeah. now hijacked its head. Cannot think about anything else. You don't even exist beyond the ball. That's a problem in a relationship. Yeah, it's very healthy. <laughs> That's it. Good, yeah. good for some things. Again, situation and frequency is very important. Yeah. Um, not saying never throw a ball for a dog no. who likes it, but you just got to watch it. There's a point where you go, it's too much. You've got to learn how to not do it before you can do it if you have a dog like that. It's like anything good in life. Like too much of a good thing, mm. it's no longer that good. Yeah. 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 That's right. Like, you know, Mary Poppins, spoonful of sugar, really great. Spoonful. Don't go overboard. <laughs> yeah. Then we have like kids with red frog moments. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. That is, mm. I mean, 
That is most Labradors, little red frog moments everywhere. Yeah, they try really hard. This they, I love Labradors. They're very good intentions, yeah. but most of the time you really got to just watch to see if they can come back down a little bit, even give them a moment yeah. before you let them go again. And, and, um, and, and it is a thing as well. I think a lot of people think that their dogs will naturally come down. And yes. in, with some dogs, they do, right? Some yeah, dogs have got yeah. a natural ability to self-regulate, to, to naturally come down, whereas... If we, I think a mistake, yeah, the mistake some people will make is they'll see their dog so happy all the time Mm. and they'll they'll almost forget to teach their dog to come down. Yes, because I think they think it's like, this is a good emotion. Again, come to look about this is a good, he's being really nice and friendly. But there's always, if you don't supervise, if you're a playground and you let your kids just, oh, you go play with each other, you don't watch them, all of a sudden one of them will cry. Yeah. Is because they can't actually do it yet. Like they do need parents to help them. Yeah. Correct. That's why co-regulation is quite nice. Like not to say you need to be overprotective and look at your dog every moment of the time, but just have some awareness that these are juveniles. And they, there are some. They dogs love that to play. More some supervision can, than others. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Like some can talk really well. Others may not have learned how to talk really well. Yeah. And it is too much. And some and are going to be really good in some situations, yeah. whereas the other dog that isn't. It, or the dog might not be and like it's just that's yeah. why yeah it's respecting the individual mm, that's right so it's really about learning your dog to then at least go oh i think you're not okay would you like to come over you say oh yes <laughs> i would like to come over because <laughs> i was actually not coping and even though i like playing but this and is sometimes too much they go absolutely not i do not want to come over that's, <laughs> that's, that's kind true. of have to step in and go yeah buddy i know you don't but was the duration okay <laughs> did we go overboard that's when you kind of look back yeah, I mean, yeah. Like we zoom out from that and go, yeah, I should have picked up. But next time I'm going to pick. And up I mean, that's that. hindsight. But I always oh, say, yeah. like, for the next okay. time, then you just got to know. Let's not go an hour. Let's go half an hour. Yeah. Move away. Go back for another half an hour. But just to stop those moments. Do an hour <laughs> in two short, in two half yeah. <laughs> yes, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You can have your cake. You can have your cake. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Bit of time. We all finish cake. It's fine. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. Mm. I think that's a, a really cool point. Uh, time to just wrap it up today. So I um, think it's a good idea. Yeah. Thank you. I've so enjoyed much. it. Yeah. Me Thank too. you. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. That's it for this week, guys. If you ever want to ask questions, give feedback, or just provide some suggestions regarding the podcast, find me on Ian Shivers Dog Advocate on Instagram. I'll be happy to help. If you're feeling really generous, leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this podcast on. And if you want to nerd out more with us, then find our sponsors because they're the ones that make all of this possible. See you next week. This episode has been sponsored by Bondo Behaviorist. Bondo Behaviorist is a Sydney-based dog training and behavior company. I founded back in 2015. We've got a small but dedicated team of dog trainers and behavior consultants. We've helped over 4,000 people at this point with everything in between, helping people set up their new lives with their puppy or adopted dog, to working with people that have come to us to help them with dog training and behavior concerns. For more information, go to bondobehaviorist.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Bondi Behaviorist.